0: Welcome to Wisdom Radio, an ad-free premium podcast fully supported by our listeners. This is Andy Height. Welcome. You know, sometimes there's wisdom in silly old expressions like, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, I can't think of two guests who personify that metaphor better than Dr. Alan Leica and Harriet Tinka, who are going to be joining me in a minute. They both have had some serious trauma in their lives that we're going to hear about. I don't want to give too much away, but um, I can tell you that they have faced that down, found courage and inspiration, and they've actually uh, wrapped that together into a book um, called the, Secret, the Secrets of Living a Fantastic Life, The 13 Golden Pearls of Wisdom. So I'm excited to learn about these Pearls of Wisdom. So, we're going to dive right in here and um, with Harriet. Harriet, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about what happened when you were a university student?
1: Oh, you bet. So, here I was uh, walking internationally, having the time of my life, and yet, and I had so much confidence, yet I was a victim of a stalker. So, my story begins when I just finished. I had retired from the modeling industry and I decided, "Hmm, okay, I I need to get a formal education. So it was at the university that I met a friend of mine who when I met, I had no idea that our relationship of his attraction was like a psychological trap disguised as love. I trusted him, I was vulnerable enough to trust him. And I was your typical typical victim of domestic violence i was young i was naive i had no idea the signs of an abusive relationship so one night it was he he came to my apartment and he he kidnapped me actually when i was just coming into my into an elevator kidnapped me grabbed me put a sock in my mouth and the details are in the book and he drove off to to an isolated area
0: oh how terrifying so
1: there it was the most frightening moment of my life. I was in so much fear. So I did not really comply to his request. He asked me to do so many different things, and I said no. And he got very, very upset. So he had a big knife and he stabbed me two times on my left thigh, oh, and there was blood gushing everywhere. And even today, I still don't remember how I got from. That moment to the hospital. But when I woke up, the doctor told me that I would, it would take me, I may not be able to walk again, or it would take me a long time to walk. So there I was, I had been an international model, walking the runway, selling confidence.
2: And here I was,
1: sad, unable to walk, and selling depression. So what separated me from the confidence and the depression was my trauma. So I had to really rethink about my life and i needed hope and i got that hope so me and dr laika using our stories we came up with a great book the secrets to living a fantastic life and it's not really what happens to you it's what you do with what happens wow
0: my goodness well Doc, dr laika why don't we go into uh, your particular situation and uh
2: Sure. Let, let me go into that. I, this came on me all of a sudden. I was a top of the market cosmetic dermatologist. I was at the peak of my career in 2003. It was spring break. I went for a vacation with my, my wife and my daughter. We went to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. So I was walking along and my wife turned to me and said, what's wrong with you, hon? And you know, that was a funny statement for once I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. So I turned to her and said, what do you mean, dear? She said, listen to your foot. It's flapping.
0: Oh no. That's
2: the funniest statement I ever heard. F- listen to your foot. It's flapping. Dear, I don't even know what you're talking about. What planet are you coming from right now? She said, no, no, listen. And I, as I was walking along, my foot had suddenly developed a foot drop and oh. it had, with every step I took it was flapping. I'd call it slapping, but she said it was flapping.
0: That's, you know, that's how well she knew you. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was hot. It was like 102 degrees out Fahrenheit. Wow. And it was sweaty. And I said, maybe it's that. She said, no, no. When we get back, you better get it checked out. And when your wife tells you to get something checked out, you better get it checked out. <laughs> so we got back and I had every test known to man. I had brain scans. I had CAT scans. I had scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day? No, what? They showed absolutely nothing. The doctors were perplexed. They thought I had a slipped disc or a brain tumor or what? something ca- really? causing this, sure. but they had no idea. So they, they, I, I, I was perplexed too. So I saw more and more and more, and no one could give me an answer. So finally, I went to see one of the top neurologists in the world. A neurologist is a brain doctor, a doctor that concentrates on nerves. Mm-hmm. And when I came in, he had reviewed all my tests. And he simply said, you better be sitting down when I'm telling you this. I oh, said, no. what do you mean? I have a dropped foot. Why do I need to sit down? He said, Because you don't have a drop foot, you have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and in six months you're going to be dead. Get your affairs in order, he said.
0: I mean, first of all, I uh, can't imagine being having the news broken to you in that
2: way. You think uh, very crude, very barbaric, but you know. So he he then said, "Okay, well that's the diagnosis. The interview's over. So you know." what do you do when you're told you have six months to live, you've got to get your affairs in order? I started looking for all diseases that looked like ALS, but were not ALS. And you know, lo and behold, after checking thousands of sites, I found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, Dr. David Martz, who had a disease very similar to mine, but he got much worse, much more rapidly. He was on his deathbed and a doctor came up from Texas and said, David, you know, there's something wrong with your picture. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit ALS. It doesn't fit Lou Gehrig's disease. David said, then what do I have? He said, I think you were bitten by a tick. And that tick caused a chronic neurological disease called chronic Lyme's disease. And he said, if I'm right, we'll do a simple test. And he did the test. But he said, in the meantime, we're going to start you on treatment. And you know, the miracle happened. David, like a Lazarus, arose from the dead. He got back to his whole status. So with this, I was enthused. I was, I, maybe there's an answer here. So I got on the phone and I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs. And I caught up with David Marks at a hospital called the Methodist Hospital. Mm-hmm. And we talked for hours. We literally talked for hours. Now, this was our Thanksgiving weekend in 2003. Ours is a bit Uh, before yours ours is in October and and of course back
0: then you know there wasn't a lot of information about Lyme I too had Lyme
2: (laughs) you know Lyme's disease is one of the greatest (laughs) misunderstood diseases of all time I know it's very very common you know, but the problem with it is it's very expensive to treat. So mm-hmm. a lot of insurance companies do not like that diagnosis, and many professional doctors do not agree it's even a diagnosis right now. Yeah. So it's it's one of those great unknown factors that are out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so is that what?
2: Yeah, that's what it ended up being for you. That's what it ended up for being for me. So David and I uh, talked. I got down to Colorado Springs. He diagnosed me with this disease, and for 16 more years, I was one of the top cosmetic doctors in the world until I retired last year. I was able to maintain my status and do everything that I possibly could do. So the miracle is not in in the fact that I had a terrible, awful disease. The miracle is I found a way to cure it, get, get even with it, and at the same time, survive. And, and I'd like to emphasize it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. So
0: now, of course, I'm very curious about how the two of you who ha- both had trauma of a different variety um, meet and decide to co-author um, this book. Uh, sure, why don't, the you, why don't you take that one, of,
1: Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Leica is a big philanthropist. He sponsors a lot of organizations, and one of the organizations he was sponsoring is called White BCA Women for the Women. So it's an organization that recognizes women in the community who have made a difference and use their experience to make a, dif- a difference in the community. So I was one of the, the nominees for that for an award under the category Turning Points. So in that category, basically, is I have used I have used my trauma to change the world, to wow. change my community. Uh-huh. Well, so congratulations, also- by the way. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I was among other so many other women, so I wasn't the only one in that category, but I was quite fortunate and honored to win that award. It's a big deal. So after the award, I was also honored to meet Dr. Leica, who was the big sponsor for that event, and we met for lunch. I shared my story again in detail and he also said, oh my, I've gone through the same sort of trauma, different but similar and the emotions are the same. So thereafter we talked about maybe one day we'll write a book and that was almost four years ago. So the conversation started then. Sure. it takes a
2: while it takes a while to write a book you'll notice in our our book there's conversations that's because this was based on conversations it was on the conversation we'd have at lunch and over coffee and we basically put our conversations together and that's how the dialogue came out in the book it it really was just a natural product of the book in addition we put a story to each one and each story has a special meaning from our own past and our own significance and we wanted these stories to be very special. We wanted to be hallmarks of the book so that the each story itself would lend itself to things. They're almost like parables. They're almost like ways of seeing the world differently. And we felt right. that that was very important.
0: Now, it must have been a very interesting and satisfying process to sort of distill out 13 and why 13? <laughs> Why not well, well, let 12, me, let me tell about that.
2: When we, when we brought that, we actually came up with 20 golden pearls. But you know, when we had 20, it was just too unmanageable for a book. So we distilled it down to 13 of our best pearls. And the other ones will spill over into a second book that should be out in a year or so. But we wanted to get the best pearls out there. The problem is when you have too much information, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Oh, we sure. didn't want a fire hydrant to be wanted. We wanted people to savor each little part and really enjoy each little part. I'm interested. So,
0: I'm interested that you picked the metaphor of, of
1: pearls, golden pearls. Uh,
2: well, Harriet, can you go over why we picked pearls of all things?
1: Well, pearls are the most rare in the world. They don't even exist. So there's a a particular a particular pearl called it's a it's a it's called the Pandicta Maxima. And it's a very rare oyster in Indonesia. So the way it, it's formed is a, as foreign substance goes into the oyster, and it's it's um, it basically it goes through a lot of suffering, a lot of uh, emotions in there, and then it's formed into a pearl.
2: See what it, what a pearl does is take oh, that trauma. It right. takes the irritation and walls it off. It puts a beautiful material called luster on it. That's and it. Walls yeah. it off and layer by layer by layer, taking that trauma and turning it into something very beautiful. Oh,
0: I love that. Now, I love golden that image. The pearl is the most rare. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, do you have um, a particular, we don't have to go through all the pearls because people can read the book uh, for that, but do you have um, each one of you a favorite pearl that you would like to talk about today?
2: You know, I think I'll let Harriet go first. She has certain ones that are her favorite and my I have certain ones that are my favorite, but I'll let Harriet lead off.
1: So I think for what we're going through through this whole pandemic, I think a lot of people begin to question themselves and wonder what's, what, what is the meaning of life. So my favorite right now is intention and purpose. And intention and purpose, what we have in the book is we use the Ikigai model. And with the Ikigai model, it's a Japanese word for reason for being. And what it does, it asks you four very important questions when you're trying to find your purpose. Number one, what is it that you love? What you love to do. Number two, what is it that you're good at? Number three, what does the community need? Or what does the world need? And then the last question, what is it that you can do and get paid for. So the, when you answer all those four mm-hmm. questions, it it's a long, it's a it, it's a very difficult process. It's not easy. It's something right. that can be done. So once you answer all those four questions, you will find your ikigai. But I a, that is a is
0: wonderful, th- um, well thought out order as well. Um, so I, I can tell that you not only thought of it, you lived it.
1: Oh, I lived it. Yes. Yeah, and for your listeners, what I would recommend is do like a part-time ikigai, which would be just find out what you love and what you like to do. So in the meantime, as you're doing that, the other two will, they'll all fall into place. So you know that, me, uh, my,
0: yeah, okay, go ahead, sorry.
1: So I was just going to say, for me, I've figured out what my ikigai is, which is a, to empower and inspire the world so that they can wake up every morning feeling fulfilled and find their fantastic life.
0: Wonderful. That is, um, boy, once you have that purpose, then life takes on a whole new
1: level of joy. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. You can just wake up and just have a big smile on your face and say life is good.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well,
1: thank you for sharing
0: that. Now, um, how about you, Dr. Laika? Well,
2: one of our pearls is also gratitude. And we, we really think gratitude is something you should bring to the table every day as well. And in fact, one of the things we ask people to do is make a gratitude journal. Because that journal can help to remind you of all the things you should be grateful for, all the things you're given. Yes, we're in the middle of a COVID virus. We're in the middle of a terrible time that's going on. You know, 33 million Americans are unemployed and, and the numbers seem to go up every day. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. But you know, at the same time, there's lots to be thankful for.
0: Sure. Sure. Harriet, I'm sure you had plenty to feel thankful for even when you were lying in your hospital bed, having gone through what you went through. Just I'm sure you were finding moments of gratitude.
1: Can you speak to that? Oh, you bet. I think my biggest gratitude is the support I got during that time, because when I was going through all that trauma, all that depression, I was so thankful that my family was there. Just having family, people who support you, that network of friends, when you're going through the trauma, you have to reach out to, to somebody. You cannot do it alone. A community is what you need. And for me, that's my biggest gratitude, having family and friends. And um, the other, one of the other
0: pearls, I don't want to give all your pearls away, uh, but I think is a very important one, and especially in the case of trauma, is forgiveness. And um, I would be interested to hear more about your thoughts on forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness in helping us to heal and move on.
2: Okay, I'm going to start off, Harriet, and then I'm going to turn it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, when I went through my trauma, uh, that this doctor was so callous and so crude when he told me the diagnosis, I was badly hurt by that. But I had to forgive him, forgive his knowledge. You know, he responded in the way that he thought was appropriate, and he wanted to give me that last six months to live but it was a very crude and barbaric thing that he had done. So part of my healing was to forgive him and move on, not be part of this anymore and not be part of that exchange anymore. Now, Harriet also puts this in a very wonderful way as well. So I'm gonna turn the floor over to her.
1: Yeah, Because I think it's they always tell us forgiveness, you have to do it quickly so that you can set healing. And I find forgiveness, you can do that quickly if somebody cuts you off when you're driving or maybe your husband or your wife doesn't record the Game of Thrones, that you can forgive very quickly. But if you've gone through a trauma like we have, it's not easy to forgive because forgiveness is not a natural thing. So when something happens to you, you will start to hate. But we use hate to protect ourselves. For example, I hate cancer because it's impacting my family. So you're using hate to protect yourself. Now, what I use when I was going through this whole trauma, I used three steps. So, number one, what you do is write down, I hate, I hate my attacker because he puts me in he put me in the hospital. I hate my attacker because he put a scar on my leg. So that's number one. Say why you hate what happened to you. For me, I hated my attacker. Number two, now change the second sentence. I hate my attacker because I love my freedom. Mm -hmm. I hate my attacker because I love my imperfections. And then number three, get the hate out and just focus on the three things. I love being healthy and I love my imperfections. So every day you add, I love, I love, I love. So those three things will really help you to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, it's the same thing as you drinking this poison and hoping the other person won't die from it. Very well said.
2: Very well said. I'm just going to say a little bit there, too. You know, forgiveness is not a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. It's a process that people go through. And although you might mentally say, I forgive, you don't necessarily forgive once. You forgive over and over and over again as Mm -hmm. these thoughts come back into your mind and you start to remember those things. So it's got to be something that you really seize on and really put inside yourself. It's got to be a commitment that you make to that forgiveness process. It's not an easy commitment. It's a very difficult commitment. But at the same time, it really makes a lot of difference in your life. It really can free you from that hate cycle that goes on. Because hate begets hate.
0: Right. And anger begets anger. And those are uh, very human emotions, as you point out, um, Harriet, that's very natural, uh, those things to, you know, you get angry or you, you f- have these hateful feelings. What's more challenging is to really access that beautiful love, gratitude part of our beings that allow us to rise up above that, and I, I guess that's exactly what you're talking about
2: well you know people have two sides you know when harry and i went through the traumas that we went to we could have taken the dark side we could have taken an evil e a path and that path is one of death and destruction being mean and cruel Or, or you can use this as a turning point you can use this in a way to live a better life and to share that life with others. And both areas made a, a turning point decision in our lives where we decided literally to live a better life and to share it with others so others can get it without having to go through the trauma that we did. Now, almost everybody in their life has sustained some sort of trauma. It could be a divorce. It could be something where they were hurt as a child. It could be maybe their mothers did not love them Maybe it was a childhood that where kids uh, were mean to you and you were, and, and you were bullied. Maybe it, there's a lot of things that could go on in this life. But at the same time, there has to be a turning point away from that in order to grow and be whole, and be whole again. Without that, you don't live a life that you really deserve. You don't live that fantastic life that we talk about.
0: Let's, um, let's talk about that fantastic life for both of you right now. And uh, what uh, would you say is one or two things that are happening for you that just are fantastic right now?
1: I, I think for me, what's really fantastic is when I help somebody and I see how they feel, it's huge to me. Just making a difference in other people's lives makes a huge difference. I had a friend of mine who called me and said she actually I sent a sample of my book of the book and she said wow that really changed her attitude she said when you change the way you look at things 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 change so for me just seeing that impact I made in other people makes me feel great
0: that's wonderful and that also um, connects with your um, empower and inspire the world uh, that you you were saying in the very beginning you know, connecting with what you love. So that also brings joy to you. Well, I think people can really get a lot from this book. Let's help people understand how they can, uh, how, where they can, what website they should go to, um, to learn more about the book. And um, it's just the Fantastic Life book, right?
2: Yes, let me go through that. And this this book is not quite available on Amazon yet. Amazon isn't shipping right now. So we had to delay that. So we put up a site that people could put their pre order in. And that's www.fantasticlifebook.com fantasticlifebook.com now we ask you to order from that for two reasons one is we can give you free shipping as soon as it comes out and secondly we're going to give you 20 percent of the profits of that book back to help the inner city and harriet and i have chose to help some abused women charities because they are being very badly hurt in this in this climate in this in this seclusion, there's a lot of abuse going on. So we want to help that as much as we can. All
0: right. Very good. That sounds great. And uh, what we will also do is provide that link um, next to this interview. Um, But I I think to survive a trauma like that, and to go on and to do what you both have done is, is really something and um, I admire you both, and I, I think that people are really going to benefit uh, from these pearls of wisdom that you have developed um, to help people who are going through their own particular trauma. So thank you very much.
1: And uh, the one thing that they can do, I use a WITS program. W I T S. When something is happening, when you're being bullied, which is walk away, ignore it. So talk about it, talk talk it out, or seek help. So you go through those steps and mm-hmm. that will help you when you're being bullied, whether by somebody else or your spouse. So with walk, so away, walk away, ignore it, mm-hmm. talk it out, or mm-hmm. seek help. The last one, you have to seek help because the other three didn't work.
0: Yes. Yes, I do. I think people sometimes are afraid to talk to somebody about it. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's really yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Luck, do you have any parting words for us today?
2: You know, I I think the key words that we started the show with are very apropos. And remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. I would like everybody to take that message to heart. We're in the middle of a COVID virus right now that's very threatening to people. But remember, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. You can turn the situation to a bad situation or you can use this time when you're at home as a time for growth and reflection, a time to even live a better life. And I would like people to try and do that. I would like to think people to think of all the things they're grateful for and all the good things that are happening
0: to them every day. Exactly. Well, that's very well said. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me today on wisdom radio. And um, I wish you both the best and uh, stay well, stay safe and keep doing what you're doing.
1: Thank you for having us. It's such a huge honor.
2: Well, yes, thank you very much. This is really a wonderful experience. I'm so glad we could be here today and share our message with so many wonderful people. Great.
0: Well, thank you so much. This is your host, Andy Hyde. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting Wisdom Radio through your subscription so we can stay ad-free the way we like it. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wisdom Radio. Guest suggestions are always welcome at wisdomradio.org. Until next time, remember to follow your brightest path.